all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And joining me today is one of my great friends and colleagues, also with Preventive Medicine at UMMC. We've got Dr. Fiona Lewis, and she wears lots of hats, Mm -hmm. uh, but a few of them are really pertinent to today's um, topic, which is Ask the Dietitian. And so uh, she's a registered dietitian as well as a chef. So she knows food, she loves food, and she um, is a wealth of knowledge about the topic of nutrition. So I know that on, over on my Facebook page, n- nutrition questions, are they come in all the time. So I know that folks have a lot of questions about nutrition and food especially this time of the year right. when folks are kind of coming up with new goals and new plans um, for the coming year. A lot of that centers around trying a different, different way rate. to yeah, eat, right? Absolutely. And so if you've got a question for us today, uh, now's a perfect time to, to kind of pick her brain about nutrition. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email me. That uh, address is fit at mpbonline.com. Org. All right, Fiona, let's just kind of start with um, what a registered dietitian is, because I sure. get lots of questions sure, about sure. who should be giving, you know, nutrition plans right. and those kinds of right. things. So tell me what, a, what an RDN right. is. So uh, registered dietitian nutritionist, I'll just start with the um, uh, education path. So everybody yeah. understands the difference between a registered dietitian nutritionist and a nutritionist. Right. right? That's the big, the big difference. Right. Right. Yeah. So for uh, RDNs, we spend uh, at least four years, if we're doing it the undergraduate route, four years studying nutrition and uh, sciences, anatomy and physiology and biochemistry and um and then we go on to do an internship. The internship can be between um, six months to 18 months, depending on what um, our interests are. The rotations include clinical. Um, we spend a lot of time in the hospitals doing um, our clinical rotations, and we rotate um, many different units, CCU, ICU, um, cardiac units. And then we spend some time in the community. We spend some time food service and um, we branch out a little bit um, depending on our interests, wellness as well. Um, And then we sit for our board exams. So we have a nationally certified registered dietetic um, dietitian exam that we sit for. Um, and that's how we become registered dietitians. We actually go through um, a very long path of education, plus an internship, then our, our exam. Now, a nutritionist um, does not have to go through that educational path. Neither does a nutritionist have to go through that extensive amount of um, education. 
the other thing about registered dietitians, depending on how you enter into the field, like for me, I didn't do a four-year degree. I did um, my four-year degree was in fire investigation. I wanted to be a firefighter. Oh. I wanted to be a firefighter and an uh, arson investigator, but um, I think you were like, eh, food. Let's <laughs> right, go do that. Just, just, yeah, that was divine intervention. But um, I did my master's, mm. so I did my master's in uh, human nutrition, and then I added some extra time to my time in the master's to do all the undergrad and graduate courses, and still did my internship. So, depending on whatever path you choose. Either way, you still have to do all the courses that are required by our accrediting body. So we have an accrediting organization. It's called the uh, Commission on Dietetic Registration. We have a professional organization that is called um, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. And so in that sense, um, that's how we're different from a nutritionist. Yeah. And it's it's not saying that nutritionists are bad. Right, there are some right, very good right, ones. Right. Um but when we think about who can best give individualized right, right, nutrition right, advice, right. that really is the registered dietitian. Right. So myself, I'm not a registered dietitian. I'm a nurse practitioner. What I do in clinic is more general right, nutrition right, right, right. and goal setting. Right. So if somebody's drinking five sodas a day, I work on getting them down to two sodas and yes, then zero do. sodas and those kinds of things. But if we have someone with more... Um, individualized needs right. say we have someone with diabetes and also has kidney disease right. and all these other kinds of things and we want to make sure that they're getting the right number of calories right. the right number of carbohydrates all of these different kinds of things the expert in planning that right. is a registered right. dietitian right. you know Absolutely. so um if you were looking for a dietitian in your area you can go to what's eat right org and mm-hmm. put in kind of your zip code or state and it'll show the show you the registered dietitians right. in your area um that you're able to to talk with. What I'm seeing more and more often now is even registered dietitians being a part in in fitness centers um, so that people can get really good nutrition advice um, with that. And just like um, any field in healthcare, there's areas of specialization as well. So there's even a sports dietitian um, separate certification for that. And so, you know, when I have folks who are training for things, you know, maybe training for a marathon or, or competitive sports, those kinds of things, let's loop in your right. sports dietitian and make sure that we're meeting all the things that you need Absolutely. To, to perform your best there. Absolutely. So that's kind of the quick and dirty of what um, a registered dietitian is. And if you have, yeah, yeah if you have questions for um, arguably one of the best, sitting oh, right, well, fine. I know, right? <laughs> uh, then you can give us a call. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring While we're waiting on some callers, though, I did um, post out on my Facebook page uh, for questions. And then I've been, I just compile them as they come in um, and save uh, some of the best ones for you, Fiona. So when I get some good ones uh, that I think that I think a lot of people probably have questions about, then I want to highlight them and talk about them on, um, on the air. So I'm pulling those up and we can start to look at some of those. So the first one is about bone broth yes ma'am right so <laughs> i see that um, i see it in the in the store and i tend to i'm i'm hesitant about things that are gimmicky right, right. and this is one of them for and sure. so i always want to know is there any 
science behind it, right? right? Because always the things I ask myself when I'm when I'm thinking about answering questions like this is one: is there any science behind mm-hmm. it? Um, and if there's not any science behind it, is it harmful? You right. know, it, does the science say that this will hurt you? And that really goes into my recommendations on things right is it harmful does it work um or if it doesn't work if it doesn't hurt you then you know it didn't bother me you know but so the question was tell me about bone broth i see um folks in recipe groups raving about it and feeding it to infants was in this question Mm. what's Hmm. the hype all about so what What's the hype? Yeah. So, so, so to uh, piggyback off what you said, uh, there's not much science behind it. Most of it is anecdotal. Doesn't mean that for those people who've tried it and it helped them with whatever ailment, doesn't mean that they're not telling the truth. Right. You know? Right. So we don't want to discount that. Um, however, there isn't much uh, peer-reviewed evidence about bone broth. So bone broth is one of those... Uh, Things that people use like as a supplement, um, and basically it's just uh, water, uh, bone, you know, bones of any sort of animal, beef bone, beef or, bone like or chicken bone, uh, with uh, what we call the trinity of cooking, which is um, carrots, onions, and celery, and um, boil that up for about simmer that for about twenty minutes, and there you have your bone broth. Um, and also, you can put some thyme or garlic and spice Spices. it up a little bit. Um, it's been it's been uh, used for many things, so it's thought to be a panacea for several things, osteoarthritis, detoxifying the liver, preventing aging, supporting digestive health, balancing hormones. And so to your point again, when something is uh, promoted as it's going to cure a whole like a bunch, bunch of, of stuff. Right? Yes. You know, it's related to liver and it's also related to uh, brain and it's also related to, you know, different body systems. Then you kind of wonder about the veracity of, of, of those claims. But um, just to give people a history behind or like an explanation behind why people might think this is because animal bones, depending on what animal is in the uh, broth, will have different nutrients. Right. So, for instance, like uh, cow's bones or um, chicken bones, there'll be calcium, magnesium. Um, fish bones will have um, iodine. So iodine is known to help with thyroid, thyroid. function. Right. Um, connective tissue is also like part of... Collagen the, and right, that kind of right, stuff. Right, glucosamine, chondroitin, which is good... F- um, Joint health. Right. So that's how, that's where we get the... The whole panacea thing from, which doesn't necessarily mean it's true, but it doesn't mean it's false either. Right, we just right, don't know at right, this point, right? We haven't done all the research, so that's where the connections come from. So, for instance, um, bone broth is thought to be good for sleep because of the glycine, the oh, amino acid glycine. Okay. Uh, it's thought to be good for weight management, which um, sort of makes sense because uh, it's low in calories. You get a sort of a taste of something savory, but you haven't, you just drank right, a low-calorie right. beverage, really. Right. Um, and then the gelatin in the in the, um, in the the bone broth attracts water. So it's the same principle of the fib- plant fiber that right. we talk about in terms of increasing satiety. And then there's this leaky gut uh, connection yeah. Yeah. with bone broth, and actually they're referring to the glutamine, and glutamine is an amino acid that really helps to maintain gut integrity. Mm-hmm. So, um, as we said, it's, there's not enough truth 
proof of truth or proof of falsehood. Right. It's just that the connections are being made based on the nutrients that mm -hmm. are in the particular bone broth. And the nutrients will vary based right. on what bone right. and ingredients you right. use in your bone broth. Right. right. So, you know, my takeaway from that is as long as you're choosing, you know, a low salt right. variety, then it's probably not harmful. Right. And if it's something you enjoy and you feel like it's working for you, then it's right. probably fine. But it's not probably going to be the uh, the magic bullet, bullet exactly. to fix whatever is going on exactly. with you. But you're certainly welcome to give it a try there. Absolutely. Now, in terms of feeding it to infants, um, I'm no, going to have to say no, no, no on that. Um, <laughs> depending on the age of the infant, right. we, there are very specific things we do and don't want to give them. Right. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and take our first break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to continue answering uh, nutrition questions that have been sent to me either via email or over on my Facebook page. And then you're welcome to join our conversation as well. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 podcast. Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. It's Ask the Dietitian Day on the show. And we've got Dr. Fiona Lewis uh, joining me in the studio to answer nutrition questions. Now's a great time to give us a call. Our number is 1-877-MPB-RING. And my email's fit at mpbonline.org. Um, you can also send questions through Facebook at Healthy Habits with Josie. And I actually just had a question come in uh, mm -hmm. from the Facebook page. And it's actually a picture um, of the back of a packet of some kind of drink mix. And so mm -hmm. uh, I can't see the front, so I don't know exactly what it is. But it's asking about this shake um, that they drink daily and whether it's it's good. So I'm just going to take a peep at some of the ingredients that we've got going on in here. Um I've got things like uh, some natural caffeine from black tea, some mm -hmm. lactobacillus. Um, it looks like there's also some digestive enzymes in okay. here like um, uh, amylase, bromelian, you know, that kind of stuff, some mm -hmm. protease, that kind of stuff. Some other things that are in here are like a, a protein blend, soy, pea, and whey. Um, and then uh, sucralose and stevia. So, you know, looking at, at those from my perspective mm – -hmm. I I go why do we think we need to drink that right, right? so what what are we adding right. to our nutrition by drinking that if we're using it as a meal replacement or something like that then perhaps 
okay, right? right? If we're using it to supplement things, I would rather supplement with food. with food, right? Um, food. And you know, the other two things that kind of pop out on me there are the artificial sweeteners, mm-hmm. right? And so I think that's a good. Um, thing to kind of hang our hat on for a little bit is artificial right. sweeteners right and so um, you've got a rainbow of colors of right. artificial sweetener right. packets right and uh, probably the most common ones that we see are are equal or sweet and low so the blue and the pink right. um, stevia which right. is the green pack and um, splenda right. or sucralose which is the yellow pack right and so for a long period of time, and I'm still kind of there, I don't think that if you're using a small amount of artificial sweetener, right. that it's probably the end of the world, right. right? My stance has always been, you know, you shouldn't be using enough that it matters one way or the other, right? right? Um, I very much don't like the the equal or the sweet and low varieties there, Um I was a Splenda girl for a while, but as the evidence has matured and and we're getting more evidence in there, um, I don't like it as much as I I used to. Um, Stevia or Rebiana, you know, from the Stevia plant is usually the one that I recommend more often than not. But now my take home is really, one, why does everything need to be sweet? Right, right. <laughs> and I would rather have a little bit of a natural sweetener than a bunch of artificial sweetener, exactly. right? So talk to me about artificial sweeteners and what, what the heck's going on with them. Are they good? they bad? they ugly? What are they? Well, I think one of the, the things to, to highlight um, is uh, what we tend to do because there are artificial sweeteners is that we want them in everything. Yeah. And that's where we go wrong. So I'm with you on the fact that we don't need to, uh, we can, a little bit will go a long way. Right. Of the most natural um, form. So the stevia or, um, yeah. But when we're having all our drinks and our cakes and our cookies and, you know, with these artificial sweeteners, then the question is, what exactly is the benefit of that? Mm -hmm. Because especially with my baked goods, there's still the saturated fat and right. all those um, different ingredients that are harmful for health anyway. So um, my, my, you know, conclusion on the issue is less is more. Less is more, right? right? Less is more. And you really using, um, if I'm going to use a product that, that uh, where there's a version of the the you know with the artificial sweeteners and, and not that I'm going to use the regular version yeah you know and 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 use it sparingly mm-hmm. um, as opposed to um, ish, their issues related to how it affects our digestive system yeah that's the big one that we're right? starting to see right? more um, there are issues about how our body metabolizes. Um, and they're generally rec- they're what are called grass foods generally recognized as safe um in you know g r a s g r a s um which but, around here we say gras like mardi gras right oh, no. okay but All i think right. you're right well i'm i'm you're right. and no, you're caribbean right. so we pronounce every syllable no, no word. i like it i like it i'm just in in carnival mood <laughs> right so um yeah they're generally recognized as safe but that doesn't mean in in certain amounts and and where we go wrong is the fact that we don't have it in moderate amounts right, we want right, it right. in our chewing gum and our 
all of our baked goods, our beverages and everything. And so we really are kind of setting our taste buds up to feel like everything needs to to be be sweet. sweet. And then when we have something that's that's not sweetened um, artificially or with added real sugar, then uh, we're like, oh, this doesn't doesn't taste sweet enough. And so, you know, um, I'm a coffee drinker um, and I. For, you know, when I started drinking coffee as a child, um, I had lots of like milk and mm-hmm. sugar in my coffee, you know, and it was just a little bit of coffee. And then, you know, you cra- gradually increase. But even as an adult, um, I still liked a good amount of, yeah. of milk and I liked it to be nice and sweet. Right. right. And so once, you know, I started working on weight and things like that and I switched more to a Splenda mm-hmm. and then I switched over to a, um, a Stevia. But as the science has grown, and I started to read um, and learn more about the gut microbiome, right, right? and the the right. bacteria that we have living in our belly, and how that's linked to our heart health and our immune system, and all these other kinds of things, and kind of the not as great effects of some of these artificial sweeteners right. on that, because our body doesn't really know what to do with what that. to do with it, right? Um, then I said, you know, I, I need to cut this out. And really the only place I was using artificial sweeteners was in my coffee. And so I just made the decision uh, probably about November mm-hmm. of last year that I was just going to cut that out. I wasn't going to add any artificial sweetener. And I also was not going to add any sweetener sweetener. Like I wasn't going to put any sugar or maple syrup or honey or anything right, like that right. in it. And, you know, the first couple of days I was like, this does not taste good. You know, it was just, it was bitter. <laughs> right, you know, I mean, I still right. kept my, I use soy milk in my um, coffee, but, uh, you know, I was like, this is, this is not right. But after about three or four days, it was just kind of neutral tasting. Right. And now it tastes just as good to me as it did when it was sweetened. Right. Uh, and so you just have to give your taste buds a little bit of time. I right. think we expect for them to adapt much quicker than we give them credit for. And we maybe only try, you know, pulling back on butter and recipes right, right. or pulling back on sugar for a couple of days. Right. And then we kind of go back to the way we right. were before. But if we just stick with it, um, sometimes even up to a couple of weeks yes, for ma'am. those taste buds, to, yes, I call it the washout period. Right. You got to just give them, give them time. <laughs> um, and I, you know, that usually use the example of if you've ever moved from a regular soda to a diet soda and then you get a sip of a regular soda, it's so right. sweet right. Um, that, that it doesn't taste good anymore. And so now I'm, I'm artificial sweetener free and woohoo. woo-hoo. And, you know, uh, I feel good and you know, I don't, I won't say I feel drastically different, mm-hmm. but you know, I, it definitely did not hurt me to cut out that artificial right. sweetener. So mm-hmm. again, um, I don't like the word moderation um, because it can. I think moderate everything in moderation leads people astray. Yes, it means um, different things to different people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, but balance, you right. know. And so, if a couple of packets of stevia, you know, are what you're using in a right. day, it's probably okay. When we start to add artificial sweeteners to all of our foods, um, then that becomes a problem. It's the same thing with salt, right? Not everything needs to taste salty. Uh, And so when we pull back on that, that is a way to to help things as well. Yeah, I think we we just need to give our um, trust the foods that we eat for the natural fr- flavors, Ooh, give, that's a, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, the foods come with natural flavor, but we can't necessarily taste the depth of the flavors if they have a lot of salt and sugar. Right, right. And, you know, that's a scary thing to, to start with is, you know, really tasting the different flavors mm-hmm. of these foods. But, you know, since moving to a plant-based eating pattern, 
there's so much more food that I eat now than I ate before. You know, we tend to think about a plant-based diet as being restrictive. Mm -hmm. Like I can't have any of these things. I can have whatever I want, but I choose not to. But there are so many different fruits, vegetables, grains, beans, things that I never would have put in my mouth before um, that I now enjoy on on a routine basis. And they have so many different flavors and textures going on that it makes your meal much more enjoyable than just a a brown blobby you know because yeah (laughs) right yeah um so you know that that's just part of it so guys if you've got questions for fiona or myself about nutrition we're happy to take those our number is 1877 mpb ring um all right so i tend to post a lot of recipes um Mm -hmm. on my facebook page and i posted one um actually on new year's day okay you know, this is this is the South, and on New Year's Day we eat a certain we eat a certain thing, right? Okay. We eat black eyed peas, okay, and then we eat some type of greens, whether it's cabbage or turnip greens, collard greens, something like that. So I made um, black eyed peas, I made turnip greens, I made polenta, mm-hmm. um, which Yummy. and so I had some questions about polenta on okay. the page, like what's What's polenta? polenta. <laughs> um, and then I also, instead of having pork, which mm. is something else that we would normally have since I don't eat meat, didn't do that, um, I had tempeh. Okay. And um, I barbecued the tempeh oh, so yummy. that it was like barbecued pork. It was yummy. delicious, right? Yummy. But so the two questions I got most often were, what the heck is tempeh? Right. And what the heck is polenta? Right? right. They're like, looks good. What is it? Right, you know? Right. And so uh, let's start with polenta. Right. Because um, it's one that I was surprised more people didn't know right. about because I've been eating polenta for a long time, even before I was plant-based right what is it it's, it's corn yeah. it's like an almost um an equivalent of uh what do you call what do you guys call grits, them? grits. yeah yeah like what do grits. you guys call it grits <laughs> come on i'm still i'm still getting used to the southern living so that's right um, uh, the equivalent of, of grits. grits so you cook it the same way you give it the same play, flavor profile um so you know if you do cheese, grits and Which cheese. Which is a, is a hot topic as well in the South, is whether right. your grits are like a butter, salt, pepper, cheese kind of grit, or whether it's a sugar right. on your grits. I personally do not understand the sugar on the grits situation. I never yeah. grew up that way. I was all oh, savory grit. I was a savory grit girl. Okay. Um, the other thing that polenta may get listed out at is cornmeal. Right. Um, right. Now, most of the cornmeal that we use is in a cornmeal right, mix, right. like that we make our cornbread with. So that, mm-mm, that's, right, that's, that's don't not. substitute that. That'll be gross, and I'll that's get lots not. of ugly messages right. about that. But, um, and then polenta is also usually yellow in right. color, whereas right. our grits um, that we eat down here are are, like are white, white. Uh, yeah. more white color. But it's very much the same consistency, and it's really just ground right. up, you know, milled up corn. corn yeah. And so you yeah. cook it the same way. I cooked mine with a little veggie stock, a little yes. bit of um, almond milk, yes. um, you know, salt, pepper, garlic, all that exactly. kind of good stuff um, in there and made a little serving. So it's kind of a substitution for mashed potatoes right. or something like that like on the side, a nice starch. grain. Yeah, right. a nice starch over there on the side. And then tempeh. What is tempeh? Oh, I love that. I love tempeh. So let's get into I tempeh. Yeah. Grits, she doesn't know, but tempeh, her whole face <laughs> lit, up. lit up. So uh, tempeh is actually fermented soybeans. and they ferm- Which sounds gross. <laughs> it but sounds s- gross, but stay with us. Stay with us, yes. So um, it's fermented with grain, with a grain such as uh, a rice or a barley. Mm-hmm. So that gives it some extra um, B vitamins. So it's rich in B12. It's rich in the other B vitamin uh, profile, depending on what grain it's, it's used um, is used to ferment it with. And then it has about 15 grams of protein uh, per half a cup. 
about 160 um, calories per half a cup. And um, tempeh is really versatile. So the way I cook my... Yeah, it's my very t- bland. Like it's, it's very bland. You it's, it's like spice tofu, it up. Yeah. yeah. So you have to... It's whatever. It's a bland canvas. It's however you want to flavor it. One of the tips, the cooking tips I would recommend for me, I don't like the... Uh, there's a bitter flavor. Mm-hmm. So I usually blanch my tempeh. I usually put my tempeh in hot boiling water for three to five minutes and then take it out and let it cool and slice it however I want to slice it or crumble it however I want to crumble it. It makes for a good um, chicken substitute or burger meat substitute. So burgers, um, what else can we put it in? Sauces. I put it in my jambalaya. Right. Like it I cube it up like, really nice. like, a, like a sausage would right. go in there right, right, or right. like a chicken um, or even a shrimp. So I cube it up that way. Right. So I second the kind of boiling it mm-hmm. situation because it does have a bitter taste to it. But some of the health benefits you mentioned of it there, you know, it's uh, 15 grams of protein mm-hmm. per half a cup. So and it, that's a plant based protein. Right. Um, so, of course, it's going to be cholesterol free there. Yes. The other part that you mentioned of it is that it's fermented right, right? and so Ooh, yes. Yes. yes and so adding fermented foods into the diet is good for that gut, gut. microbiome right. right it helps right. to support those those healthy bacteria right. that are growing around in there and so adding that in nice lean choice for your protein right, goals right, there right. Um, and it, they sell it just in the usually in the organic section yes. at the regular grocery stores yes. kind of over where the almond milks and the right. tofu and that kind of stuff is right. all right it's time for us to take another okay. break uh, when we come back we're going to keep going through some of these emailed talk questions about how to cook tempeh yeah. a little more and tofu because that's another right. big one right. uh, <laughs> when we come back from this break if you want to hop on the line with us now is your chance our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This is Southern Remedy, healthy and fit on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, fit at mpbonline.org. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. 
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Fiona Lewis, and it's Ask the Dietitian Day. So now's the time for any uh, questions that you have related to nutrition and healthy eating, or maybe you are confused about some diets that you've seen floating around out mm-hmm. there. We're happy to help you wade through that and look at what the evidence says. Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. All right, and I've gotten uh, some more questions mm-hmm. uh, in through uh, Facebook, okay. and one um, has kind of what this gentleman is eating in a day, and I won't read through the whole thing, but in essence, we've got lots of like canned beans mm-hmm. um, and veggies. Um, we've got some whole grain bread. We've got hummus. We've got walnuts. Um, and then we've got tea, soy milk, those kinds of things. And so uh, looking at that um, largely looks pretty good. The only mm-hmm. thing that I would really say is maybe maybe salt, right? Right. Now, the can, can. Can. now he does mention in here that he gets the no salt added okay. um, on those. So that's excellent there. Right. So, you know, probably not that much of a problem you've got going on there, right? No. And when you think about the different food groups that you're wanting, or the different right. macronutrients right. that you're wanting, you got carb, you got fat, fat you got protein. protein. And so we're hitting most of those there. Yeah, um, sounds like it. Yeah, I think um, let's talk about hummus right. for a second because right. um, I recommend it a lot to, to patients, mm-hmm. um, usually as a substitute for their mayonnaise right. on sandwiches when we're building sandwiches. Um, but a lot of them have never tried it, okay. don't know what it is. Okay. So what's hummus? So hummus are actually just chickpeas that are ground up um, into that paste. And we add uh, tahini, which is uh, toasted sesame seeds. And uh, you can use water or um, uh, uh, vegetable stock mm-hmm. to kind of thin it out mm-hmm. a bit. And that's the essence of hummus. Now, sometimes you'll see in the store where the hummus is flavored with like a roasted red pepper mm-hmm. or roasted garlic. Mm-hmm. So that just gives an added layer of flavor to the hummus. But basically, it's chickpeas. Mm-hmm. Garbanzo. Garbanzo beans is another mm-hmm. thing you might have seen. And if you've not tried chickpeas or garbanzo beans or hummus, they're pretty neutral flavored legume. Um, You know, so they lend themselves well to taking on other flavors. So a lot of the commercially prepared hummuses that you'll find are, you know, roasted garlic or lemon. Um, You know, when I'm uh, I make my own hummus a lot, but I also keep store bought as well for quick things. And um, the one I flavor mine with lemon and right. and, and garlic, a touch of lemon, yeah. Yes. Um, and so that really helps brighten everything up. But you know, since it is a ground or a legume in essence, right. then it's a good source of protein Absolutely. for folks, um, as well as having some of that tahini in it. Right. Now we've got some healthy fat yes, in there as well. So I love it as a sandwich spread. Um, I actually, you know, that's the main component of my, if I make a sandwich, yes. you know, lots of hummus and then lots of veggies mm-hmm. on there, whatever you like and go nuts on. Um, the other thing I'll comment on is, is bread. Mm-hmm. Um, bread is not evil. Right, please. <laughs> bread is not yes. bread, bread's not bad. Uh, no, it's not. But, I second that. Yeah, but we do have to be careful, right? Yes. When we say whole grain bread, we want to be looking for something that you know says 100% whole wheat mm-hmm. or 100% whole grain on there. And then we, I think people don't consider bread to be salty, mm-hmm. but it actually has a, a 
good amount of sodium yes. in it because the leavening agents yes. that we use to make bread puffy yes. um, have a lot of salt in them. Um, baking powder in particular is yes. really, really salty. And so, so if it's not a yeast bread. Right, um, if it's not a yeast dough yeah, bread. Right. Um, and so we just have to be careful uh, with that. So I usually say like a baked good, like right. bread, like like once a day. You know, right. So if I have toast for breakfast, then I'm not going to have a sandwich, sandwich at lunch because right. it winds up being too much sodium right. for me throughout the day there. All right, we're going to go on over to the phone lines and go to uh, Wayne County and talk with V. Good morning, V. Good morning. My question is calcium absorption. Does iron have to be present or does uh, or vice versa for calcium to absorb into the body and bone? And the second question is, would you talk about the um, collagen um, plant powder and whey powder, uh, collagen for bone health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I enjoy your show, and your speaker is wonderful. I agree. Mm. She is fantastic, and thank you for listening. All right, let's take the first one. Let's talk yes. about calcium absorption. All yeah. right, what is iron's role in calcium absorption? Actually, I'm drawing a blank. I well, they be... actually impair oh, each other, right, right? right? And so normally we see that with people or, or where we start teaching folks about that is with uh, when they're anemic and we right. give them iron supplements. Right. Right. We don't want them taking a calcium supplement um, within a certain amount of time with go. that or taking it with dairy, right? right? Because dairy right. source of calcium. And so they will impair each right. other. And right. so um, to absorb calcium iron is is not going to necessarily help the absorption of calcium there one thing that does help us with calcium especially calcium deposition Mm -hmm. into the bone is weight bearing activity you know that helps Mm -hmm. us to hang Mm -hmm. on to the calcium that we consume there Mm -hmm. Um, so not really a relationship to to the iron helping the calcium absorb Um, one thing that we do see help iron absorb is vitamin C Um, so if you are on an iron supplement and you're wanting to get better absorption of that taking it with some type of um um kind of fruit or vegetable um oftentimes we see it taken with orange juice and things like that which if it's a liquid and you're trying to get a kid to take it sure um but you know i'd rather see you get a whole fruit there and one of the ways i do it since i don't drink milk right you know i get uh, a lot of my calcium from green leafy vegetables Um, but there's also iron and green leafy vegetables, yes, there is. right? Yes, and there so is. we want to make sure that um, that we absorb everything that we yes. need to absorb. And so I always throw some bell peppers on top of yes, my yes. salad because they're rich in vitamin C yes. so that I get the full absorption of that. Yes. All right, let's think about these uh, powders, right? Yes. So <laughs> I heard whey powder and collagen powder. So what's whey? It's a protein. Yeah, from? Yeah. From? An animal, animal source, right. right? Which every time I hear the word whey, I just think about uh, Little Miss Muppet sat on a tuffet oh, eating her, her curds and whey. <laughs> right? I can't, I can't help it. Um, but yeah, so when we think about curds and whey, think about if you've ever kind of let milk set right. out and it, it separates. curdle. Right. The curdly part, that's the curd right. part, right? right? And then you've got whey, the kind of right. other liquidy part of it going on there. And so whey protein is a very popular um, protein yeah. powder right. supplement for things. Um, all right, I'm going to hush and let you tell me what you what you think about whey protein. So I think you were asking when you asked about the question with the person who mm-hmm. uh, gave you the uh, 
The picture. The of picture. The, uh-huh. It's kind of the same principle. Like what is taking whey protein or um, collagen protein going right. to add? Right. Uh, one of the things we have to remember, you know, just to share with your listeners, when we take those supplements, they don't necessarily like, for instance, collagen is not going to I'm not going to ingest collagen and it goes straight to Straight to where you want it, right? right? So our sup- the supplements that we take, especially like the the protein powders and and so on, they're not necessarily going to be used by the body the way we want them to. Right. So the question is, what exactly would the whey protein and the collagen protein add um, that I can't get from eating? Right. You know, whether I'm eating um, animal foods and I'm getting my my collagen that way or bone broth because there's some collagen collagen in there. Um, But remember, the the digestive system has all these. um, It's very acidic. So uh, it has to denate what we call denature the protein, unravel the protein and to get the amino acids. And will the amino acids work the way and go to the part of the body that we really need it? So um, I would say if it doesn't hurt you. Okay, but it, it may not work the way you right, want it to right, work right. at the end of the day. Yeah. And they're expensive. So consider yeah. um, if if you can see a benefit, then okay. But if you don't see a benefit and you're trying to work on maybe your budget or whatnot, then that could be a place to cut. Right. And, you know, my stance on it is very similar. Um, my, I start with what are your protein needs, right? right? Because n- none of us... <laughs> The average person that does not have maybe cancer or is undergoing chemotherapy or, or has a big wounds. wound to heal yeah. or something like mm-hmm. that, most of us do not have difficulty reaching our daily protein mm-hmm. needs. Most of us consume way more protein yes, we than do. we need. And even, even plant-based, yeah, vegan, vegetarian. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we get our protein. It's I always meet my, my protein needs. And so just because we consume more protein than needed doesn't mean we get like big muscles. Like that's right. sometimes what we think right. about. Well, protein's good for muscles, and it is. But you got to train also yeah, to... Yeah, it's repetitive uh, uh, stress right. on the muscles. Right, that's to get what that. actually builds our... And our, so, you know, based off what your protein needs are... And the best person to calculate your protein needs is going to be a yeah, dietitian right. looking at all of the other um, factors that we have yes, going on. That because would dictate that you need extra protein if right. you do. Uh, or that you need to, to limit right. protein, right? If you've got kidney, kidney issues, issues, things yes, like that. Yes. So, you know, finding out your protein needs and then building it from a whole food diet you know what are the whole food sources of things that we can get now if we've got someone who maybe has a lot of gi issues and can't um, tolerate food right right? so some of our patients that are on chemo and have lots of nausea but they can drink then protein supplements come in and are a nice addition there Um, i mean i keep a plant-based protein powder um, to throw in my smoothie when i'm training right you know know, if i'm really if i'm going to be lifting weights this week and doing things like that, I'll give myself a little extra boost of protein, but not on on the regular, right? right. I would just throw in maybe some peanut butter and, you know, I'd throw in right. some tofu in mine as well right. to kind of add some protein sources food. there. Food, food, food. <laughs> um, and then from the collagen, you know, I giggle. The last girl's day we had, uh, one of my friends had one of those um, magic tea situations mm-hmm. that we're getting and was going to add a shot of collagen to it. Uh, and I was like, that's, that's not how collagen works, right. right? Like that that's not really what we're going for. Now, there's some data out there that's showing some improvement in skin right. um, with collagen. But in particular, you know, just like you said, just because you ingest collagen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go to your lips or to your right. knees or wherever it's going to go there. 
So that's that's the skinny on that. All right, we're going to go ahead and take our very last break of the hour. So now is the time to call if you have a burning question for us uh, here on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. We'll be back in just a few. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of internal medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. Welcome back. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell. Joining me in the studio today is Dr. Fiona Lewis. And we're talking all about nutrition because it's Ask the Registered Dietitian Day. And we've had uh, lots of great uh, questions yes. come in through Facebook. We've had a couple of calls. And uh, there, a, a question came in just a minute ago that just made me smile because I love it so much. <laughs> and it's about tofu because um, I think it's another one of those foods that people are scared to try. Yeah. Um, and it's sad. Is there a way to get the consistency of fried tofu, which a lot of people have had out at restaurants, mm-hmm. which it's delicious, without actually frying it? And I know the answer. It's yes. But I'm going to let you answer as well. I think we should do a one, two, three. Oh, yeah. One, one two, three. Air, air fryer. fryer. <laughs> okay. It gets it lovely and crispy on the outside, yes. nice and soft and fluffy on the inside. But you can you can achieve a similar consistency by baking it in the yes, oven. But the the key to getting crispy tofu without frying it is um, pressing. Pressing it. Yes, absolutely. You've got this. So they're packed in water. Yeah. You know, and if you don't squish some of that out, then it's going to stay um, soggy. Yeah. And so it's very hard to soggy get it crispy um, in that sense. And so how you press tofu? So uh, you get some paper towel on the bottom of the tofu. You get some uh, something flat, like a plate on top of the tofu with some more paper towel. And you put like um, heavy, something heavy on top. So maybe half a pot of water, depending on how big your pot is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just let it sit there for about 10 to 15 minutes. And you will see literally your paper towel is wet. You might have to change a paper towel once in between the pressing. But, um, yeah, that's how you press your tofu. Um, if you wanted a spongier texture to your tofu, you could press it and then um, freeze it um, because that adds a little spongy texture. So mm-hmm. just a, a Do you press it before you freeze it? 
Or do you? Yeah, I would press yeah. it before okay. I freeze it okay. because then it's it, it's harder to um to press it after when I when I unfreeze it. It's just ready to go. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. So yeah, that's my tip there, and it you know it really does change the texture mm-hmm. of tofu there. And then I just um I kind of marinate mine a little bit. Yes. You know, I throw a little soy sauce on yes. it, some garlic powder, some black pepper, yeah. that kind of stuff, um, and then toss it in the air fryer, and you know just you know. 12, 13 minutes yeah. there. Just check it because you can't, you can't unburn it. <laughs> <laughs> Ask me how I know. Um, there. So it's a lovely addition uh, to lots of different right. um, dishes where you're trying to pull out meat. Yeah. All right. We're going to go uh, down to Bay St. Louis, which we were just talking about Bay St. Louis this morning, Fiona. In oh, our yes, earlier we meeting, were. we were talking about Bay we St. Louis. So are. we're going to talk with Elizabeth this morning. Hello, Elizabeth. Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? We're good. We were talking about Bay St. Louis this morning in another meeting, and what a beautiful place yes, it is. Yes, we were. It yes, is we wonderful. were. <laughs> it's a great place to live. It really is. Yes, ma'am. What can we do for you? Yeah. Well, I am. I have been told that sodium, potassium, magnesium, those kind of uh, I don't know if they're trace minerals or how it works, but mm-hmm. um, that they all work together and they have to be balanced. Mm. Mm-hmm. And if you would address that, I'd appreciate it. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's lots of different um, kind of electrolytes that right. we think about right. in our body. So there's the sodium that we have. Right. There's potassium. There's um, magnesium. Right. There's phosphorus. Then you've got your calcium, your vitamin D, all these different you know, vitamin, minerals, electrolytes, zinc, copper, you know, tons of them. And there's absolutely um, levels that are right. what we strive to achieve. And our body strives to achieve uh, normal levels of those things there's normal body homeostasis and it holds on to things when we right. need it and it gets rid of things when we don't when the body's working right. the way it's supposed to um, now there are some medicines that make us hold on to more yes. or less, less of those yes. things um, but each one of those things does have a role like when we think about potassium we normally think about heart function right yes. it's one of the things that keeps our heart beating yes. right so we absolutely want it to be in a it's a relatively tight range there on potassium. Yeah. So sometimes if you have um, high blood pressure or um, kidney issues, yeah. things like that, then that's really an electrolyte that we're monitoring very closely. We may have to supplement it if it's too low yeah. or we may even have to give medicines to pull extra potassium yeah. off like if it's diuretic. too high, like a right. diuretic that right. will do that. Um Calcium, same way, good for bone health, mm-hmm. but also good for um, muscles right. and and those types of things. And so when we have too much or too little calcium, right. then we can have muscle dysfunction right. where they're twitchy right. or lock up on us and those different kinds of things. And magnesium right. falls, falls in there right. as well. Um, so magnesium and phosphorus are not part of the routine usually set of blood work um but if we ever have anybody that's complaining of muscle cramps mm-hmm. or numbness and tingling those kinds of things or on some of these diuretic medications right. then that's something that we always check and add in there all right that uh, that's the hush music like on the oscars <laughs> and so that means that my time with you this week is over thank you to our callers for some great questions and always to my facebook followers for sending me lots of good questions that way thank you to dr fiona lewis for helping me wade through all the stuff related to nutrition if you didn't get your question in you can always email me at fit at mpbonline.org thanks to kevin farrell our amazing producer and thanks to you the listeners you've been listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio.
no matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone. Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app.